Welcome to the Friendship Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Binnick, and today we're going to be talking about all things fitness, wellness, and mindset so that you can be the best version of yourself for everybody and your family and life that loves you and needs you. All right, guys, what is going on? This is a podcast that I have made, started, recreated, whiteboarded, thought through quite a bit. And uh, it's one of the very few ones. uh, I don't get a lot of podcast recommendations and and stuff that people maybe topics that people want me to talk about. And this is one that I take very, very, very seriously and one that I really, really want to help people with. And so I'm very passionate about this and I research this topic quite a bit. And I really want to talk about it from sort of a full picture or full viewpoint. So this is probably going to be a little bit long. It's probably going to seem um, like we're going on some weird tangents for a little bit, but I promise that everything will sort of tie back together. And uh, we're going to have some talk and discussion a little bit today on social media and cell phones and sort of health and wellness and everything that encapsulates that. And I think this is a very interesting topic right now. And a lot of people uh, are starting to have the discussion now to start to walk away from it. And I am hearing it as a break, right? A lot of people are saying, I'm going to take a break from social media right now. And we're going to talk about that a lot and why I think that it should be a cold turkey quit. And we're going to talk a lot about dopamine addiction. We're going to talk a lot about addiction generally. We're going to talk about dopamine overload and how that plays itself out inside of a bunch of different mediums. And my hope is that you guys can see the issues at hand and you guys might find some of these symptoms. You guys might find some of these things going on in your world or maybe even with you. And so let's get into it. All right. Now, first, let's talk about dopamine and why we like our cell phones so much, why we like sugar, why we like sex, why we like some of these different things is they give us this this chemical dopamine. And dopamine is a chemical that can get released when we are experiencing pleasure in some way. And based on our own, you know, biases, our upbringing and uh, several different factors, different things are going to give us different levels of dopamine. And so you guys might find somebody who is like has an exercise. Let's say they have a running addiction and they're like, I love running and like it gives me this big runner's high and I feel like so amazing afterwards and all that stuff. Right. Well, they're not like genetically predisposed to getting, you know, a runner's high. They are addicted to running. They're addicted to the dopamine release that running gives them. And they could get that release a bunch of different ways, but they're choosing running as their medium. And what we know about dopamine and dopamine addiction, just like every other addiction, is we build tolerances to it. So if you're an alcoholic, when you first start drinking, you know, you might have three or four beers will, you know, get you buzzed or get you drunk, right? And once you start drinking every day and you start engaging in alcoholism, your tolerance grows. So now maybe it takes 13 or 14 beers, then 15 or 16 beers, then 17 or 18 beers. And for you to get that same fix and that same feeling when we are an addict, we have to break through that tolerance. And so it's more drinks faster, it's heavier drinks, it's more intense things. And runners experience the same thing. Exercise addiction experiences the same thing where we do more, right? What do marathoners do? They do more. What do CrossFitters do? They want more. They want harder. They want, you know, more Metcons, more workouts. Let's do two days. Let's do three days. Let's do this Metcon because I heard this hero workout super crazy hard. And what it's actually exposing is a little bit of this addiction to dopamine. 
and we build up tolerances to it and we find different mediums and different ways throughout our life to give us this. And people who have a very fulfilled life are getting dopamine from all sorts of a variety of different pieces. So if you have a very loving family and amazing kids and, and when you come home, you're showered with you know hugs and kisses, support, laughter, and all of the beautiful things that can come from a great relationship. And you receive those in ample amounts. And when you go to work, you're valued and people love you and they respect the work that you do. And, you know, everybody in your relationships, it works. It's fun. It's lighthearted. It's not stressful. It's not a negative in your life. It's just all positive. When you go to the gym and you get a workout in, you know how to push yourself and you get a great workout and you go home and you eat healthy and you sleep and you maybe have sex and you, you have these things in your life and you're getting it from this source and that source and this source and that source. And you're just getting these little bits every day. And those little bits start to stimulate you and they feel good. And we like those things. And because we're getting them from a variety of different sources, we don't necessarily become addicted to one source. We don't necessarily only, you know, this is the only thing that's giving me pleasure. This is the only thing that's giving me happiness right now. The only, you know, my relationships aren't going well. You know, I don't like my family and, you know, I hate my work and I'm not fulfilled by it. And nobody respects me and I haven't laughed in a month. But, you know, what does feel good is, is when I'm drunk right now. Or when I shoot up, you know, maybe I'm a heroin addict. And when I shoot up or when I was when I had surgery and I was in the hospital and that nothing was going right for me. But when they gave me painkillers, I felt better. And I started to release all these new chemicals in my body. I started to want that feeling more often. And addiction is a really scary thing. And mind manipulation generally, I think, is a very scary thing. And so we're going to set that as our basis a little bit for cell phones and for social media. And we'll talk about this in a bunch of different platforms. But when we start to think about dopamine addiction and dopamine overload, which you can overdose on dopamine, which is kind of crazy to think about. But I'm going to go ahead and read you from goodtherapy.org's their description of uh, dopamine and addiction. And so it says dopamine is well known for the role it plays in addiction as it plays a key role in helping develop habits that support health and survival so it can support the formation of self-destructive coping mechanisms as well whether the addiction is to sugary food sex alcohol or drugs the role dopamine plays is the same addictive substances overload the brain with dopamine causing dopamine receptors to become less sensitive to it higher and higher amounts of dopamine are then required in order to get the same initial feeling caused by the addictive substance when the addictive substance is not delivered in higher amounts or withheld completely withdrawal symptoms may appear and now we're going to skip down to uh, the section talking about uh, you know what if i have too much uh, dopamine it is also possible to have too much dopamine effects of overly high dopamine levels include a high libido anxiety difficulty sleeping increased energy mania or manic state stress the improved ability to focus and learn among others when certain parts of the brain are exposed to too much dopamine for instance right after the individual takes an illicit drugs other behaviors may be present these can include aggression hallucinations twitching nausea and or vomiting and depression and so there's and there's more on this, you know, when you really start to research some of the things in terms of hallucinations and the manic state that can come from too much dopamine. 
And so this is sort of going to be our, our discussion a little bit as we start to look at these things. And it lists all of these things that can be addictive in nature. Researchers have found that dopamine plays a similar, similar role in many compulsive behaviors, such as compulsive pornography use, internet addiction, compulsive gambling. These behaviors stimulate a similar rush of dopamine to the brain, establishing it as rewarding and reinforcing it as a habit. Individuals with these compulsions may feel as though they have lost control over that aspect of their behavior. And so, you know, this is obviously nothing to be played with. Okay. And so some of that stuff is just going to formulate a little bit of a background of this discussion. And so that's kind of one component of it, right? Is having controlled dopamine levels in moderation throughout the day is a good thing. As you can see, there's some positives in there, increased focus, increased energy. Some of those different things are good things. Happiness is a good thing. But just like anything, once we start to phase beyond moderation and we start to be able to get dopamine and crave dopamine all day, every day, and we have this little device in our pockets all day, every day that can provide dopamine, we start to have a really difficult battle, right? And the, the way that I would kind of characterize this is imagine you are a heroin addict trying to work on not being a heroin addict and all day long you have heroin in your pocket. That's pretty tough, right? That's a, that's going to be a challenging time. Can you do it? Yeah, probably, right? Is it going to be hard? Absolutely. And so as we start to talk about this, I think there are other factors at play as well, right? And so one of the main factors of this is, you know, the community aspect of this. And so it talks about how dopamine is there for survival. And one of the things that we need for survival is inclusivity in a tribe, right? We need community. We need to feel like we are a part of something, like we are together, like we're all, you know, kind of forming together to provide safety, security, food, sustenance. And you can imagine people before, you know, modern society, if you were in isolation, you were dead, right? You wouldn't survive. You can't go and hunt things or fish and you can't, you know, protect yourself and all these things from any of the dangers of the real everyday world. It's really hard to, you know, build a house in the woods by yourself. You know, it's really hard to protect against, you know, a pack of wolves, you know, that are ravenous and hungry by yourself. So people who are in isolation died. And when people would form together these tribes and communities, they would feel protected and safe, and that would provide dopamine to them. And so naturally, over time, things that happen in a community make us feel good, right? And again, there's there's ways that we can get this that's good and great, right? And you guys might feel this when you're hanging out with your family at Christmas. If you have a big family, it's really good to see everybody, and you love them, and you love spending time with them. That can provide the right appropriate amount of dopamine, right? But when we are you know, in a social media, Media group, and I'll just use, uh, use, I think it's called the Powell bubble. I think that's the one Bobby spends a lot of time. And when you're in the Powell bubble Facebook group, you know, that provides you a sense of community. Like there's people in there and, you know, or, or Twitter or Instagram, whatever your Instagram following, right. Is, is a community. And when there's people around there, we're sort of simulating some of these things that we're supposed to be getting naturally, that we're supposed to be getting out in the world, that our bodies built up over you know, generations of you know, survival and Darwinism and all these things, right? And or if you guys are religious, you just believe that God gave us these things to want and need the right things, right? Whatever your thought process is, either way, whether it's natural selection or religion or a confluence of both, 
it, it comes to the same conclusion that naturally we are supposed to have those things. And now we are living in an unnatural world. And so what happens in you know my experience is when you try to break away from a community of people who are maybe doing something that isn't you know, the best thing for you. Right. And so let's just take, uh, the, the heroin addict. Have you ever noticed that a lot of druggies and, you know, dr- people who are addicted to heroin, like they hang out with other drug users, they hang out with other abusers. And the reason why is because that behavior is condoned within that group. It's supported. It's all okay here because we all support you doing that behavior. When in everyday life, if you popped into work and Sally over in the corner just, you know, tied a rubber band around her arm and started shooting up, you'd be like, whoa, Sally, what the fuck are you doing? Like, get that thing out of your arm. Don't do that. Like, let's get you some help. And Sally doesn't want help. Sally wants the rush from that heroin. And so the communities or the tribes that we surround ourselves with are going to be people that typically are going to be enablers, right? Is we want people to enable the behavior that gives us dopamine. And again, there's good ways and bad ways to give out dopamine, to to have it in the right amounts. And when we have tribes around us that help give us those in the right amounts where we don't become too reliant on one person or one thing, one item, one object, one piece of food, one drug, one substance, when we don't become too reliant upon that one thing and we have these ebbs and flows throughout the day of getting it and not getting it, then we have just an established equilibrium that's good and healthy and allows us to experience emotional happiness and emotional sadness at normal moderated levels. But when we start getting into that dopamine overload world, we start to not experience emotions normally or regularly. It starts to get, you know, fuzzy and we start to rely maybe too much on one thing to give us that, you know, hit. And what I'm worried about now for our community is we're losing sight of the reality of where it's okay to get that from. That's what I worry about the most is I think all things considered, if you took a cell phone, you watch just a teenage kid or a college kid hanging out on TikTok right now, and you drop them right in the middle of like, you know, 1950s, you know, the like Main Street, right in whatever, in whatever city you're in, let's just say like a, you know, small town, let's say Dublin, Ohio, and you just popped a kid in there and you just had a bunch of people watch him. It'll be like, what the hell is the matter with that kid? Why doesn't he go outside? Why doesn't he run and play? Why doesn't he go do something? Why isn't he, you know, trying to, you know, meet a young girl or make new friends or why isn't he doing these things? And every little week or every month or every year that goes by where it becomes more normal for parents and it becomes more normal for kids to be getting their dopamine hits from the same thing. I think we are continuously walking towards a society that is significantly and scarily close to a Wally scenario. For those of you guys who don't know, um, you know, Wally basically shows a depiction of a future where we've sort of destroyed our world and we're all living on this like fantasy spaceship with like iPads in front of our faces and we all live in like a motorized chair all day long. And I know it's a it's sort of this weird uh, future, you know, dystopian idea. But 
I think now you can start to see the picture a little bit more clearly. And so what we're going to talk about now is uh, sort of uh, it's going to get a little bit out there, but it should hopefully help convince you a little bit of some of the the dangers and some of the scary stuff. So we've you know, we're aware, all aware of what's going on in society right now. And when we start to think about it, have you said the statement or have you thought this in your head over the last couple of months? Like, holy shit, like the world is losing its mind. Like people are losing their minds. People are losing their minds over coronavirus. They're losing their minds over Black Lives Matter. They're creating independent autonomous zones in Seattle that people are just letting happen. Like stuff is going absolutely crazy. You know, like we don't, everybody, independent individual people are losing their minds and like societies and communities. Like, so we, when we start to look at this and we go back to some of those, uh, you know, side effects, when we look at dopamine overload or people who have a dopamine addiction and are not fulfilling that all the way anymore because their threshold has grown too high. And social media is now a dark place where you're not getting the dopamine that you used to and now it's providing more depression and and unhappiness than it is providing us happiness and enjoyment when that starts to happen well we start to be manic and aggressive and experience all of these weird random side effects and so when you start to look at some of these things we're actually reading about the side effects or reading about people sort of losing their minds on the platforms that is causing people to lose their minds. That's sort of the way that I'm looking at things now is we're actively getting engaged in these communities online right now where we are being sort of thrust into these news stories or clickbait articles or however you want to look at that. And they're being shared all over social media. And oh my gosh, did you hear this? Did you see that? Do you see what this guy said? Did you hear what they did? That's like our conversation right now. We've lost all of our positive dopamine distractions. Going to a sporting event or sitting down with your family and, and you know eating. I always think when I was a kid, we'd eat popcorn and watch football together. And we'd just have a conversation, me and my dad. And we'd just sit there and be in each other's company. And we'd laugh and we'd joke and we'd cheer and we'd have that you know together time. And we're not, you know, like all of those things are sort of just being stripped from us a little bit right now. And instead, we're filling that time then with our social media and with our cell phones. And I think that that just begets the same addiction, the same problem that we've been talking about for this uh, this episode so far. And now we're going to go down a bit of a weird path. I was listening to some special forces podcasts this week and they were talking about how foreign countries are trying to expatriate um, Americans. And we know that this is going on, right? We are aware that um, expatriation is, is being actively studied by, you know, the Chinese government and, and, you know, psyops and all these things are all very real right now. We knew that for the last election, you've probably heard about Russia collusion. You probably heard about Facebook and uh, Cambridge Analytica, I think is what it was called. And, And you, start to research into all those different things and you're aware of the fact that it is manipulative by nature and when we start to see the fact that there are actively people who are trying to manipulate us there's like this little hint in the back of our heads like ah you know Jeff that's kind of conspiracy theory ish right like ah, I don't I don't think that there's some random guy in you know in China right now trying to influence my vote for the next election and believe that or not whatever is is up to you but what I will tell you is that the algorithm 
algorithms themselves, the actual platforms, Instagram, Facebook, you know, Twitter, uh, I'm sure TikTok, I'm sure all these new ones, it's all the same thing, right? They get paid for you to be on their platform more, right? They get paid by how many advertising dollars they can sell. And so the longer you are on their platform, the more they can sell you advertisements, the more promoted things that you scroll across. Okay. And that's how they make money. And so if you understand that, then their, their whole goal is to manipulate the platform so that you like to be on it longer. And I'll give you an example of that. Let's say that you love Ohio state football, like love Ohio state football. Okay. Or we can say, let's say you love puppies, right? Whatever it is. And every time that you get on the platform, they show you the opposite of that, right? If every time, if I say I love Ohio State football and every time that I got on, they started showing me how great Alabama was and SEC football is the best and SEC network posts were all over my Instagram feed. And it was just this big thing talking about how nobody can compete with the SEC and we're the best. And it was just Alabama and Georgia and LSU and all these people. And that was all my feed was. Would I spend any time on that platform? Or if I liked puppies and I love little puppy videos and every time that I got on, it was a bunch of like bad stuff happening to puppies. There's a bunch of like negative things or is a bunch of like, I don't know what the opposite of puppies are. Like it was a bunch of ugly, like hairy guys in bathing suits, right? Like it was just totally the opposite of puppies. And that was what the platform was like. Would you spend time on it? Would you ever be on the platform for hours if it was just stuff you hated? If it wasn't things that you enjoyed? No. So the algorithms are created to give you exactly what you want, to give you exactly the thing that's going to give you the best dopamine hit, the next scroll, the next like, the next search. It's going to give you more of what you want. And by that way, it keeps you on for hours and hours and hours. They can sell you more advertisements. And that's obvious. If you sit and you just think about what I just said, that is absolutely like there is no argument to that. Even the people, the creators themselves, you can look into this like they, they're actively engaged with this. This is what the entire point of the platforms are for. And if you know that and you know what we just talked about before, then you are actively engaging in allowing yourself to basically be manipulated into a dopamine addiction. And it's like I'm sitting here telling you, cigarettes are really bad. They're going to kill you. They're highly addictive. You shouldn't spend any time around them. You shouldn't ever buy one. You should never smoke one. And then you're like, nah, 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 it's just a pack. Nah, what's it going to do? Like, "Ah, I'm just going to do it anyway. I'm just going to do it a little bit, you know, just whatever. Just because, you know, my friends are all smoke. You know, it's like, it's just, just when I drink, just a little party, you know, just this, just that. And I, I we don't, we live in these worlds where like, I think now cigarettes are sort of, again, sort of outside of our zone. So when we say cigarettes or when we say heroin, it's like, just, you're like, yeah, but that's, I mean, it's not like that at all, Jeff. It's like, well, what about like sugar? You know, is it normal for us when you hang out, uh, you know, when you when there's an office party, do people bring donuts to your office? When you have people come over, you know, do they bring cake? Do they bring a bunch of sugary food? When you sit down to eat at a restaurant, does the majority of people engage in, you know, we're eating a bunch of sugar together? 
And there's some of these things that, and yes, we have a sugar addiction. We have a sugar problem in our country. We have an obesity problem. We have an unhealthy eating problem in our country because it is supported. It is condoned by a majority of people with our, within our everyday activities. If everybody thought about donuts in the office, like we think about crack or like we think about heroin or like we think about anything else, then it would get the the problem would go away in a week. But because everybody's just like, ah, it's just a donut. Like, how's it going to hurt you? Come on, man. Don't be don't be that guy. What you think you're better than us because you don't eat donuts. Hey, guys, check out Steve. He thinks he's better because he doesn't eat donuts. What a loser because he drinks his coffee black and doesn't put a bunch of sugar in it. Like, what a loser. Look at Steve. And they make you feel bad about it. Because that's the way our, our community is. I don't know why. Because that little bit of realization for that person at that time would make them feel like they weren't a part of the community or they weren't doing the right thing. And that makes them feel bad. Just like when you tell a drug addict that their friends are losers and they're dragging them down and they should not hang out around those people anymore. That makes them feel bad. Come on, man. You're killing my buzz, dude. So when we think about it to social media, it's much the same, right? We know that it's manipulative by its creation. We know that people are actively on the platforms trying to manipulate us for whatever that be at the low end, manipulate us to buy their product at the high end, manipulate us to vote their way or believe with their political ideology at the extremely high end, create a division inside of our country. And the advertising agencies and the media companies are all highly incentivized for us to click on their articles or watch their videos, which is why they have clickbait. And, you know, they're all like just these sensory overload, you know, videos these days on YouTube. We're, we're aware of it. We're aware that cigarettes are bad. We are aware that donuts are bad. We are aware that social media is bad. Yet our society casts you out or makes you a pariah when you say these things. And so when I was in the army, I spent some time around, uh, you know, a group of people who like to go out and drink. And it was a bunch of big macho guys and big macho guys who go out and drink. They like to, you know, they're misogynistic by nature. And the way that they talk about women and those things, like, you know, you just sort of get engulfed in that. And when I found myself saying those things or being that guy, being that, you know, that that quintessential, you're like, you like think of like a frat guy and you're just like, God, what a douche. Like that when I felt myself or I saw myself being, you know, expatriated, for lack of a better way to put it from, you know, a good, wholesome kid into that person. I was like, man, I don't like that. And so I just quit cold turkey said I'm never going to drink I'm not going to go out again like I'm out and man did those guys rip into me they made fun of me I was oh you look at Binnick thinks he's so much better than everybody oh tomb guard Binnick thinks he's so much better doesn't go out and drink anymore and just make fun and they poke and they prod because you were trying to do the right thing for you because you didn't feel like that was, you know, doing you any favors. Like that was the right thing to be doing, or that was good in any way, just good, just listening to your heart and doing the right thing for it. And I've gotten the same type of feedback since I've been out of the army, since I've been out of that situation with different things that I've done. And getting off social media is one of them. It's really interesting to see how people communicate about that. 
and how they think by you doing what's best for you and releasing yourself of this dopamine addiction and releasing yourself from the emotional swings that it provides you and the way that it makes you feel about people and the manipulative effects that it can have on your brain. Releasing yourself from that and doing the right thing for your own health and well-being to get you out of depression, to get you into happiness. You get made fun of and people think that you've got some elitist complex that you're trying to be better than people. You're trying to be this or that. But much like when you start to remove yourself from things, when you start to remove yourself from that army group of guys I was just talking about, and you can see them from afar, released from the addiction, released from the community, from the fear of being alone. When you can see that from afar, you're like, man, those guys look ridiculous. Like, God, am I glad I'm not a part of that anymore. And just like when people used to come up to me and be like, Jeff, you know, hey, listen, I really want a six pack. What do I got to do? I was like, quit eating bread, quit drinking calories. And they were like, oh, like, okay, well, that's, I mean, that's pretty simple advice. Like, come on, tell me. I'm like, literally quit eating bread, bread, all bread, all forms of bread, everything. So that's like pizza, that's sandwiches, that's subs, that's burritos, that's, you know, cake, that's whatever, like whatever, right? Whatever it is, whatever is bread oriented, get it out of your life. No more bread. And at first, like you see people and some people realize it right away. They're like, okay, like, yeah, sure. I'll get rid of bread. And some people realize that like, oh crap, like that's, I eat bread with every meal. And you say that. And at first they're just like, okay, cool. Like I'll get rid of bread. And that first couple weeks, you're like, holy crap. Like this is so hard. Like I love bread. I eat my toast in the morning and I love having pizza on the weekends. And I love, you know, I like calzones are my favorite thing in the world. And I love, I go to subway like once a week and I get a burrito from Chipotle a couple times a week and, 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 and those first weeks they're like, hell, they're so hard. And then two weeks goes by and you're like, oh, okay, like, you know, somebody's like, hey, do you want this? And you're like, no, nah, I'm not eating bread. And you feel better about it. You just shook it off right away. It's just an answer. And then four weeks goes by and you start realizing, you know what? Like, I don't even really miss bread. It's not that big of a deal. And then six weeks goes by and you look at bread and you're like, not quite disgusted by it, but you just really couldn't care less. You're just like, I don't even know why that was such a big deal. I don't know why that was such a big piece of my life. And then you can, at that point, once you're there, maybe two months down the road, you can have a pizza and then jump right back on not eating bread because it's not an addiction anymore. You sort of released yourself from it, right? You, you're, you've got a grasp on what it is in that it doesn't need to have a hold over you. And certainly if you have a really bad addiction, that can get you like off the wagon. You can fall all the way off. But for the most part, in my experience, when I've totally cut out bread or I've totally cut out alcohol or something like that, like, again, first couple of weeks, you're like, ah, you know, yeah, kind of like a beer, like it's a nice hot summer day and I've got cold crisp beers in the fridge. I kind of like one. Why not? But then after a few weeks, you're just like, ah, ah, it's not that big of a deal. Like it's, it just, just doesn't matter. And what's funny is social media is the exact same way is, you know, when I used to be on, I used to be on just as heavy as anybody else. And, you know, you have all these justifications and all these societal reasons like, yeah, well, you know, it's like I use it to keep up with my army buddies, you know, and I kind of use it to keep up with like I buy and sell a bunch of stuff on the marketplace or I kind of use it to keep up with what's going on with friendship or what's going on with, you know, my soccer buddies or what's going on with this or what's going on with that. Like they kind of kind of use it for this. And, you know, I like to see I like to keep up with the CrossFit games. I like to do this. I like to do that. You just kind of have these little justifications, these little like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I know, I know, I know. No, it's not that bad. You know, whatever. 
And what you realize is once you get away from it for a little bit and you get back on like every, like, you know, over coronavirus, like get back on, you know, Facebook to start doing stuff. And you just realize like, my God, like people are still posting the same stupid stuff they've been posting for the last like 10 years. And it just doesn't matter. Like it just doesn't matter. And just nobody cares. Like and the people who do care, they'd love to sit down and, you know, (laughs) have a campfire and sit around and talk about it. And it's so interesting when you're separated from it a little bit and you you just kind of take yourself out of it. You just don't miss it at all. And you actually just kind of realize like, man, I'm really glad I'm not a part of that anymore. Just like my military friends, just like every decision I've made that's like that is when you guys make those decisions, it's what's best for your own mental health and well-being. You're not going to regret it. In reality, you're going to look back and be like, why did I let that go on so long? And so what we have to work towards, guys, is we have to work towards having a balance, having a balance with the things that give us dopamine, with the things that bring us pleasure and happiness and the things that make us laugh and the things that bring us joy. They have to be in balance. They have to be from multiple different sources. They have to be from your job, from your gym, from your family, from your friends, from your social interactions, from your education, your fulfillment, your development as a human. They have to be from all of these different things. And when one thing becomes the only source of happiness for you, then you build an addiction, you build this tolerance, and the only way that you're going to think that you can get happier is more, more, more. And man, have I seen this a lot with exercise. There's a lot of people who don't have a lot else going on in their lives, and they find CrossFit. And CrossFit can be so amazing for people who have you know, proper dopamine uh, coming from other places in their life. But if they don't have any other things going on in their life, they don't have any other source of happiness, their relationships aren't going well, they're, they don't like their job, they maybe don't have a family or their family's not supporting them or bringing them any happiness or joy. And all we have is going to the gym and hitting these workouts. And sure as shit, they're going to give you some dopamine. And if you're just like unhappy and unhappy and unhappy and unhappy and depressive, depressive, lonely, lonely, and all you have is this one thing, well, it starts to become a lot of pressure on that one thing. And the only way once we start to build up a tolerance is to do more. So they leave the gym that day and they go and they do a second workout. They go and do a third workout. They try to do so much inside of their one hour that brings them happiness that they end up hurting themselves. And then that's a slippery slope back down into whatever new addiction we can create while we can't be in the gym. Whatever next medium we're going to shove that little dopamine addiction into. And I've seen this play out so many different ways and so many different times and so many different people. But what the whole point of this is, guys, is don't let all of your eggs go into one basket. That's when problems happen. When you become addicted to alcohol or heroin or cell phones or pornography or exercise or sugar or whatever or whatever or whatever. When it becomes the main source of your happiness or you or you just it's a thing calling to you because right now, honestly, like social media might not you might be like social media doesn't bring me happiness. But your litmus test is when you're hanging out with people who should be bringing you happiness, when you're hanging out with your kids or your husband or your wife and you're sitting there alone and you have your cell phone and it's sitting about six to ten feet away from you. 
and there's a little lull in the conversation. It's like that little moment of quietness. And it's okay to just sit there and just think for a minute. And then feel that. Do you grab your cell phone? Do you start to go on to, so do you, what do you grab it? What do you do? Do you check your email? Do you do this? Do you do that? When you guys have been listening to this podcast, have you guys pulled up social media? Have you pulled up a text message? Have you guys started to look for whatever the next podcast to listen to or how much time you have left is? You just click open it and see what's going on. What's next? What's next? If you guys are in this world, feel it, like bask in it, feel when does the cell phone pull you? Where does it pull you to when you pick it up in those situations? When you should be getting happiness and sitting down and just sitting across from your wife or your husband or your kids, when that's where you are and you get that pull from this little device, why? And that's the thought I'm going to leave you guys with today. I just want you to feel that. I just want you to pay attention to it. And I hope that I can just sit in the back of your brain. And when you feel that, when you grab at it, when you pull at that phone, you're at least aware of the fact that right now I should be engaged with the person across from me. I should be engaged with my kids. I should be engaged with my husband or wife. I should be engaged with this person that I'm spending time with and just going lunch to or whatever. I should be engaged. I should be here and now. I should be low tech. I should be high engagement. And yet I'm being pulled to this little addiction. So I hope that helps, guys. I know this one's going to help me. And I know for those of you guys who are looking for help, I hope this can be a huge catalyst for change for you guys. If you guys don't have a problem for my number twos of the world, for my Toms, for my Chris's, for the people in my life who are mentors for me and are people who I really, really look up to uh, in this regard, I thank you. Uh, and I appreciate you guys. And, um, you know, I hope that you guys can continue to, to show people, uh, what amazing things that you can accomplish and the amazing people that you can be, you know, without, without this addiction and how true, uh, health and happiness sort of lives on the other side of, um, you know, out of balance dopamine. Thanks guys.